What a wonderful thing it is to be together and sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Praise him indeed for being our King and God and Savior and helping us in life as he does and bringing us together here this morning to encourage one another in our faith, to honor him. So happy to see all who come out to do that. We have a number of visitors here. Uh, very happy that you could be with us today to honor the God of heaven. Today we'll be talking about a matter of timing. Some things take time, and doing things at the right time is often critically important to their effectiveness. So you take the idea of things taking time to develop well, and then using those things, or doing those things, or accomplishing those things just at the right time. And what you have is a picture of really how great God is in using and manipulating time to do His will. And we as His children need also to learn to be timely and to do things in the right time. You know, an oak tree takes about 40 years to fully mature. A dandelion can sprout up and uh, produce seeds in two weeks. It takes a long time for an oak tree to be just right. When it's just right, it's just right. And so many other things in life are, are that way. Um, it takes a month to build a beautiful home. Maybe months, maybe half a year. Some of you have waited a year to get your home built. You can throw up a barn in about one day. If what you need is a barn, you can do that quickly. If what you need is a house, it might take a little while. Fords and Chevys and Toyotas are built on the assembly lines in one day. For made by hand, take at least three weeks. Again, there's this idea of time and timeliness in all of that. And the idea of timeliness is familiar to us, especially if we fly money, because we're concerned very much about whether or not our flights are on time. I don't mean that we fly like this. I mean, you know, in an airplane. Uh, but we're very concerned about our flights being on time, and that's getting to be more and more a rarity if you've traveled much by air recently. You realize the importance of timing. Timing requires often, requires patience and waiting for the right moment. But when just the right moment occurs, everything works together beautifully. And so I want to start out this morning by talking about the timeliness of God and then work into how that should uh, affect us as we think about being His children and being timely in the things that He wants us to do and accomplish First notice that all creation relies on the timeliness of God for its sustenance, for its food, and in order to have uh, that which it needs to continue. You have Psalm 145 and verse 15. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them food in due season. Just when the time is right, the food comes to all of creation. That's an interesting thing that God has worked out uh, creatures, plants, animals, uh, His creation, and all of that to produce food just when His creatures need it, all the way around the world, whatever the creature is. And our daily blessings then, uh, which we need for 
sustenance to survive as beings in this world are provided by God and renewed day after day just as we need them. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, Jeremiah writes, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God blesses us with what we need every day. His faithfulness is wonderful, timely, and timeless. And so we're here today, alive, breathing, having the things that we need to sustain our lives because God blessed us today. He blessed us yesterday. He blessed us the day before. Great is His faithfulness every day. There's a song Day by day, it's a beautiful song. I don't think we sing it here much. I used to lead it at Athens Bible School some. But uh, one of the verses goes, Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. For his father's, my father's wise bestowment, bestowment, I, I find no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best, lovingly, as part of pain or pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. We appreciate the timing of God in bringing salvation to mankind and all that he worked through human history to bring it to a point where Christ would come into this world and die for our sins. But that that plan of God was a plan that was long in the making and was created even before the dawn of time. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul writes about Jesus who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. It worked out before time began, and yet it was accomplished just right through a great number of events in time. The Apostle Paul again writes in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, when everything was just right, The world had been going on for thousands of years and God had been working His plan out among humankind to bring Jesus into the world and everything was right from a political standpoint, from a a standpoint of the the need for man now to accept grace, His ability to accept it, understanding that He wasn't going to have a relationship with God without grace, that law wouldn't do it. And so all of that is just right for Christ to come into the world. You can think about, uh, as others have noted, things like the Greek language being... Uh, almost a universal language when Christ came into the world so that as the New Testament books were written in Greek, it could be spread very quickly over much of the face of the earth at that time. So many things coming together in the fullness of time. Just at the right moment in human history, Jesus comes into the world and lives a perfect life and dies at death for you and me. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 then, the Apostle Paul will write, when we were still without strength in Due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
That phrase, in due time, one scholar commented it means according to the time. The literal meaning of it could be in a timely manner or at the proper time. God made it all happen. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the wise man says, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. It talks about how so many different things occur in their time and concludes that thought when you get down to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 by saying this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. God is eternal. He is timeless. And yet He does everything in a timely way. And in all of His creation, He makes everything beautiful in its time. What a great God we have and what a great God we serve. When we talk about uh, timing, it's a matter of providing what is needed, when it's needed, as often as it's needed, faithfully. And here is what God has done for us. But then as we think about our service to Him, the, the words that we speak, the things that we teach, the discipline that we give, our mutual discipline to one another, and frankly, our need of forgiveness. God wants us to be timely as well. And the timelier we are, the more effective He can work in our lives and we can work to glorify Him in our lives. So I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning, hopefully in a timely way. I was uh, talking to my wife yesterday about preaching this sermon. I asked her what she thought about it and she th thought it would, it would be timely. I hope it is. <laughs> I hope it is. Uh, let's think about improving our timing uh, when it comes, first of all, to our good deeds and acts of service. Note with me in uh, Luke chapter 12 and verse 42 that the Lord's steward that he talks about here was left to provide for others their portion of food in due season. Luke 12 and verse 42. The Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Now we noticed about God that he gives all creation its food in due season. And think about all of the complexities of working all of that out to give everything what it needs when it needs it in the whole universe. What, what Jesus is saying to us here is God wants He wants them certain the needs of others just at the right time. Just when it's due. Just when it's needed. What does it take to do that? What does it take to do what Jesus is saying the faithful servant will do? Well, it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of thought concerning the needs of others that you're serving. And when is and how is that service to be delivered? It takes some meditation. We come together in part on the first day of the week and at other times when we meet to provoke one another to love and good works. One of the reasons we gather 
together is so that we might understand one another's needs, how we may help one another, do good works, provoking to love and good works. That's one of the reasons we come together. And so here's a time when you're sitting in this room with other Christians, members of the body here at Eastside. Here's a time to be thinking about them and after services to communicate with one another about our needs and how we can serve one another and what's coming up with you this week that I can help you with and vice versa. It's a matter of being timely in our service. You see, because we are to maintain good works to meet urgent needs, the needs of the moment, we must be timely in meeting those needs. Titus 3 and verse 14, let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs. The word maintain there, keep on keeping on, right? To meet the urgent needs of the moment. To meet the urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. So as we have opportunity, when there's the time is right, so to speak, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. When we have the means to help, let us help. Whether it's time, resources, physical resources, things that money can buy, or our energy. Proverbs 3 and verse 27, the wise man there says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. In other words, the one who the, the good is due is, is the person who needs it now. Don't withhold good from that person when it's in your power to give it to that person. Be timely with the good that you do or the good that you supply. He goes on to say, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. If you could do it today and they need it today, do it today. Don't wait. After all, tomorrow may not come. After all, tomorrow may not come. Let's improve the timeliness of our serving. Again, that takes thought. It takes awareness of our brothers and sisters and what's going on in their lives and to make others aware of what's going on in our lives as well. Both what we can do and what we need done for us. Improving our timing. It's important when it comes to being timely with our words. Well-timed words are truly effective. Proverbs 15 and verse 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Just the right word at the right time. We've all been there, right? Maybe down in the dumps so far, we didn't know, you know, our jaw was hanging so far down, we had to, you know, pick it up to get it off the floor. Just so, so, having so, so, so much angst and emotional problem in our lives. And somebody comes along and says, just the thing we need to hear. Just the thing we need to hear at that moment. And picks us up. Job is commended because his friend told him, your words have kept men on their feet. I think Job spoke some timely words. Let's speak words to keep people on their feet. To encourage those who are down and downtrodden. And maybe a timely word also 
might help bring somebody down who's just a little bit too uppity. Uh, I appreciate several of you here for, as I mentioned before, keeping me so humble by your snarky comments after my sermons. <laughs> but that's good too. That's all very good. God help us to be timely with our words. To say what is needed. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. It was Mark Twain who said that the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. That's a big difference. To say the thing that is needed in the way that it is needed when it is needed. Paul is telling us in Ephesians, not to speak that which is filthy and unneeded or, and never needed, but to say the things that are right at the right time and to help others with what we say. What is good for necessary edification, the thing that is needed at the moment to build somebody up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. We need to learn how to use the appropriate rebuke or correction at the right time and in the right place, and to the right person. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8, do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. You know, there are some things and some people that don't deserve rebuke, frankly. And that's what the wise man is telling us here. There are people who aren't going to take rebuke, it's not going to help them, it will only hurt you to give it to them. But most Christians and most of your fellow saints are open to being corrected and open to being rebuked. They want to do better. Do not correct a scoffer, but rebuke a wise man. Proverbs 17 and verse 10, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows for a fool. 28 3 of Proverbs, he who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with his tongue. In Proverbs 26 and verse 4, this especially, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you, you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. You realize that that seems to be saying, those two verses seem to be saying opposite things. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, and answer a fool according to his folly. There are different reasons for doing each. Right? That's, that's the key to understanding that. There are different reasons for doing each. And so, someone who's foolish morally and spiritually, don't answer like him if it's going to make you become like him. That's the first part of that. But answer like him, lest he thinks he's so smart. Right? So, you run across somebody that's, a, to use the term, a moral moron, <laughs> a fool, as the wise man is describing here. What are you going to do? Rebuke him or not? He's saying just foolish things, not right, disrespectful of God, uh, leading people astray, justifying wickedness. Whatever it is that he's saying. What are you going to do? 
Well, the right word at the right time might do him a lot of good. But don't get down in the mud with him. Don't be like him. But also don't let him be wise in his own eyes. And that's where timeliness comes in for the words that we speak. Jesus was the master of this. You might remember the last week of his life before his crucifixion. He's in the temple reasoning and he's asked a bunch of pretty difficult questions. At least people thought they were difficult. I don't think Jesus thought they were. Uh, but he was asked questions about paying taxes to Caesar and who would be the, the wife of a woman who uh, had seven husbands and then died. Who would be her, her, her husband, I should say, in heaven. He was asked questions about what is the greatest commandment. By the time Jesus got done giving his not only accurate, but timely and wise answers to all of those questions, the text tells us in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 46 that no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare ask him a question. There's some timely answers that Jesus gave under what we would consider to be a lot of pressure. Improving our timing is vital that we do so. Let's improve it when it comes to the words that we speak, when we speak them, and even how we speak them. Let me, let me just add this right here. There's a time to be humorous. Uh, I wish I could be humorous. I, other people do too because I try to be so much, but I'm really not. But there's a time to be humorous and it can help people. In, in the book of, Jesus was really humorous in a lot of his parables. We don't, we don't see the funny in a lot of the parables anymore because we're used to them. You know, we've learned them since, since childhood. But if you see them with fresh eyes, you realize, uh, that a lot of the things he describes are pretty humorous in the day. Uh, and outlandish, frankly. A, a man demanding all of his inheritance so he can go off and spend it on crazy stuff. I mean, that's just, that was an unreal thing. But it was meant to be outlandish. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 uses a, sort of a, a lot of humorous irony to make some points to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says, uh, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And so he goes on and then proceeds to be uh, kind of funny about some things. Ironic at least. The words of Jesus, the words of Paul in some places, other places we can look in Scripture, sometimes would probably make good people smile while simultaneously helping them become aware of their shortcomings. There's the key. You can make somebody smile while becoming aware of their shortcomings. That's timely. Someone said, what I want to do is make people laugh so they'll see things seriously. Make people laugh so they'll see things seriously. And that's a good way to be. We need to apply timely discipline in the home, in society, and in the church. At home, our children need discipline. And they need it at the right time. 
when it can correct them. Not, you know, after the deed is forgotten that they're being corrected for. Not in a way that's not going to make an impression on them either. In Proverbs 13 and verse 24, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Don't wait. Don't wait, mom and dad. Discipline that child in the moment. In the moment when the child needs it. In society, we have the same problem of a lack of timeliness in the discipline that comes from Sometimes comes from uh, our government. In Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11, because the sentence against an evil work is not ex- executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. I, I don't know about you, but constantly I-, I see in our judicial system people waiting not just for months, but sometimes for years and years to go to trial for heinous crimes that they've committed. And then finally, when they go to trial, maybe they're hardly punished at all, but they get a slap on the wrist. Did you notice that? that? That's not helping us, folks. That's not the kind of discipline a society needs. And because of that, as the writer says in Ecclesiastes 8, because of that, we have more and more lawlessness and evil in the land. If we postpone the punishment long enough, people think they'll never be punished. Punishment is discipline. It is discipline in the home, in society, and it's a part of the discipline that is enacted in a church. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you familiar with this? Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 1, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality, sexual immorality among you, such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has, so, who has done this deed. He says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And he goes on and discusses how you cannot let you cannot let the leaven sit there and leaven the whole lump. You cannot let this evil influence just stay in the body and influence the rest of the members of the body. You've got to get that leavening influence of sin out of there. And the sooner the better. It's like a cancer. Now, having said that, are there situations of discipline that are different than this? Yes, there are. There are some that require some patience. Even that evil Jezebel that's talked about in Revelation 2 at Thyatira, even she was given time to repent. We understand that. And so the process of church discipline, and this isn't a lesson on church discipline at all, but it's, it's one that takes a lot of judgment. I'm so glad we have good elders here who thoughtfully go through the process, what needs to be done and when does it need to be done. And each case is going to be different. The sin is going to be different. The person is going to be different. The situation is going to be different. Their responsiveness to things is going to be different. All of that is weighed by our elders. I can assure you every time something like this happens. But the timeliness of that is so important. Now I've been in congregations where 
years ago especially, uh, where discipline was never done. It was never going to be done. There was no timeliness to it because it wasn't done. And then, if it ever was done, it would be years too late to accomplish any good for anybody. Paul will write to Titus in Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Reject the devices of man after the first and second admonition. That's interesting. Here's a man who's causing division, but you don't just up and withdraw from him right away, right? You admonish him once, you admonish him twice. So there's some time frame there. Let him respond to the admonitions or not. And then reject it. That concept there would be the same as withdrawal in the original wording. Someone has said that it's the neglect of timely repair that makes rebuilding necessary. That is true in a home and in society and in a church. The repairing, the correction needs to be done in a timely way or else what's going to have to happen eventually is the whole thing is going to have to be torn down and rebuilt. We don't want to do that. I appreciate the time you've given me this morning to talk to you about timeliness, about a matter of timing. I don't know what's happening in your life today, but it might be that right now in your life you have a lot of stress, a lot of problems, that you're dealing with depression, or sin, or persecution, or sickness, or pain. And all of those things wear on our bodies and our souls. We need to be timely when it comes to confessing our sins and praying for forgiveness. Back in the Old Testament in Psalm 30, verse 5, David says, I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Be timely with your prayers to God in asking Him for forgiveness of your sins. If you feel right now this morning that you are not right with God because of sin in your life, Now is the time to acknowledge that. Now is the time to pray God for forgiveness. Do not wait another day. Number one, you may not have another day. Number two, if tomorrow comes, you may be hard-hearted and have forgotten the sorrow that you're feeling at this moment. Now, if you're feeling that at this moment, right now, right now is the time to acknowledge the sin, ask God to forgive you, but something you need to not acknowledge before men Here's a place and a time to do it. Right here and right now. To come forward, give God your heart, me your hand, and say, I have sinned before God Almighty. Would you pray for me? It's not a time to wait. Psalm 69 and verse 13. As for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. We need to bring our sins to God in an acceptable time. 
And if you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never named the name of Jesus, if you've never turned away from a life of selfishness and sin, if you've never said, Christ, you're my Lord, and submitted to baptism in the name of Christ for the remission of your sins, there's no better time than now. Even as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. It's a matter of timing. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Whatever you need, we'd ask you to come as we stand and as we sing.